This podcast is brought to you by David Emerald, the author of a new book entitled Three Vital Questions, Transforming Workplace Drama. Please listen to podcast number 745, where Dave and Greg discuss the costs and challenges that drama creates in the workplace, as well as the innovative solutions that the three vital questions can present when implemented in the workplace. If you are seeking new ways to improve your workforce communications and efficiencies, then you won't want to miss this compelling interview with author David Emerald, as he explains his methodology for creating with less drama and more effective communications. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And today joining us from Florida is Coach Pamela or Pamela Mitchell. And we're going to be talking about her book called The 10 Laws of Career Reinvention, Essential Survival Skills for Any Economy. Coach Pamela, good morning to you. How are you doing? Oh, I am just Great, Greg, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited for this conversation. Well, we're excited to have you because in this era of free agents and all the kind of people that are working around in the world, uh, reinvention is something that happens all the time. Um, I know we're get, we'll get into some of the statistics here when I ask you some of the questions about the numbers of free agents that are out there, but you know, you are referred to as the queen of reinvention by Fortune Magazine, former entertainment executive turned coach, uh, you're the nation's premier expert in reinvention. She's the author of the book. Like we said, we're going to be talking about the 10 laws of career reinvention. Um, And by Harvard Business Review, the top shelf recommended pick, she's appeared on CBS, CNN, NPR, NSNBC and the Today Show and has been profiled and quoted in top publications, including the New York Times, Business Week, Real Simple, Men's Health, and Essential. And uh, she is definitely an expert in this field, and this book is a good example of that. And if you want to reach Coach Pamela, go to the Reinvention Institute, and that's reinvention-institute.com. There also you're going to find some great little quizzes uh, that you can take. Um, I just took one. So I found out I'm a trailblazer and Pamela and I are going to talk about that a little bit during the show here. Well, Pamela, the, the challenge I think today is, and as I was mentioning before we got on the line, that there's no more safe industries and that the ability to reinvent your career at any moment is the new and only form of job security according to your introduction in your book. What is the current state of job security and how many free agents are there in the market today? And how dynamic is this just shifting job market? Well, you know, Greg, I mean, I think that we can all agree that the the number of free agents has evolved and become even greater than when my book came out. Uh, Basically, as you can see in the gig economy, right? So we now have companies like Uber and Instacart and you know other firms that are out there saying, "Hey, Amazon, you can work for us, but you know, it's a gig." And so what we're seeing is we're seeing this whole what I would call um fragmenting of work. So it used to be that You would have a company, you would go, you'd work for that company, and you'd work only for that company, and that is where you would stay 
throughout your entire career. And in fact, if you made a move, it was considered to be like a little bit sketchy. Like maybe you weren't so loyal or dependable. But in today's world, what we're really seeing is that that type of covenant that uh, companies used to have with individuals, employees, us, uh, is no longer there. And it's no longer looked down upon to be able to change and to move. In fact, that it's now considered to be a little bit of a badge of honor because it shows that you have flexibility. It shows that you're able to um, navigate different situations and you bring a, a broader viewpoint to whatever job you're doing. So the skill today is even more essential because now it's looked down upon to have been someplace too long. So you really want to be able to navigate and change so that you can stay competitive in this marketplace. Most definitely. And I and I know so many people that do this today that didn't used to do it. And it doesn't matter what age. People think, well, millennials, no, boomers are doing this now. Everybody's doing this. And you state that career invention is simple but not easy. And that's your first law is the one that needs to start with a vision for your life. Um, how do you help your clients gain clarity and create a clear vision for their future when they're going through what can be a kind of a tumultuous time? You know, they've maybe been in this one career, they got laid off, they're now going to become uh, a, a free agent out in the world. How do you help them get this vision and be really clear about what they want to do and how they want to do it? Well, the first thing that's really important to understand, you know, most people come to me and they're like, how do I get my next job, right? So they're coming in to solve a problem. And what we do first is to take that lens and expand it a little bit because what we have to remember is that careers are a mechanism to deliver a life that we want and ideally a life that we love. And so therefore, if you come in and you're like, okay, what's my next job? You may get another job, but you may not get a life that you love. And so it's really important to start with that vision for your life. And when we work together, whether it be in the club or you know one-on-one, -on -one, what I ask our clients to do is to take a look at the next five to seven years. And that's another thing that's really important for people to understand is that you're not making a decision for the rest of your life. You're making a decision for the next phase of your life. And so, therefore, if you look at the next five to seven years, what has to happen in those years? And even if you have a bigger goal of where you ultimately like to be, how do these next five to seven years tee you up for that? So what do you need to have happen from a work perspective? What do you need to be doing from a life perspective? How do you want to live? And then it's the intersection of those two that we start to delve into to begin to come up with target jobs, prospective jobs that can deliver both from a work perspective and a life perspective. Well, that's a good way to actually kind of wrap that up and give people a little clarity around it. And you mentioned that the career invention reinvention offers the possibility, like you said, of a more rewarding and fulfilling life. You know, you're designing your life is what you're doing. And you state to get there, you have to give, you have to be flexible, you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to be willing to live outside your comfort zone. 
if you would, on those three principles or those three uh, axioms, can you comment on those just for people? Because some people, they get stuck. Yeah, you know, this is a, a journey and I, you know, I'm so, um, you know, I'm mindful of this because here's the thing, Greg, you know, I, I went through my own reinvention in my corporate career. Okay. So this is the company that I wish had existed when I needed to go through my own reinvention. Because when I was reinventing myself, it was not a conversation that was out in the world. And in fact, the world was still very much like you just need to stay at your company for 30 years. And I knew that wasn't going to be right for me. And so I understand very intimately all of the emotions that are involved in um, making this type of a shift, making this type of transition, and in fact, learning this skill, because that's really what this is about, is it's a skill to be able to navigate both what I call self-generated reinventions, which are the ones where you're feeling unhappy inside and you want to be able to create something new, or what I call those uh, sort of forced reinventions where life has thrown you a curveball, whether it be your company decides, okay, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna hire you anymore, or our business is is going away, uh, or the industry's business is going away, or there's something going on in your own personal life that means you need to make a change. Maybe you are uh, have kids that. Um, are leaving home and you need to be closer to them um, or you need to be closer to elderly parents or whatever it is. So this skill is how you navigate. And because this idea of things are evolving, you have to evolve too. So that's why the flexibility is so essential. The other thing that makes it essential is that when we are going on this journey, we don't know how it's going to unfold. And this is one of those things that sometimes people come to me and they want to know every single step along the way. And what I give them and what I give people, our clients, is a framework. But how your particular journey is going to unfold, that we don't know. You need to be in motion. And once you're in motion, new information comes in. And this is how you adjust your strategy and your plan based on that new information, which is why it's so important to have guidance along the way. So these are the things that are are required from a flexibility standpoint. Did I answer all of it? What were the other two things you said to me? Well, you you did. I guess the main, the other one was to be honest with yourself Uh, and to go outside your comfort zone. I think he answered that one, but what about being honest with ourselves? I think frequently we lie to ourselves about a lot of things, you know, because we're trying to shove them underneath the rug or we don't want to address them or we're, you know, people are unhappy in that job, but they just keep staying there um, and suffer in the process. Right. Well, you know, here's, thing. I believe that honesty with ourselves first is really the only path to true happiness. And that honesty, sometimes we're afraid of that honesty because we think it means we're going to have to dismantle things in our lives. And sometimes it's the case, but oftentimes it's not. You know, sometimes what happens is that we really have this kind of zero sum, like, binary view of it's either yes or no instead of yes and or maybe we need to be in the gray as opposed to black and white 
So in being honest with ourselves, we have an opportunity to begin crafting things that that really truly fit. Now here's the thing. I always say that reinvention and figuring out what works for you next is a a process of getting 80% of what you want in all areas. And this is why it ends up not being binary, right? Because for example, if you're like, I'm miserable in this job and I don't want to admit that because my kids are in college and I need to pay for their tuition, then what you have to do is if you're honest that you're miserable in the job, but you recognize that there is a life challenge that you need to address, like you're not going to be happy if you're not addressing that, but you're not happy in your job. So the goal is to find a space where you get 80% of what you want in all of those areas. So maybe in this timeline, you're not going to make a change, but what you should be doing is laying the groundwork for what your next thing is going to be and doing taking actions now so that when you get to that point, you're not starting from the starting line. And so therefore, that honesty piece, you can't begin to build or move unless you're willing to be honest, and you can't evaluate the information that comes in unless you're willing to be honest. And that's not honest necessarily intellectually. It's honest in our body. Yeah. Well, that leads me to your law number two. You say it's in your body as your best guide. You tell a great story about Christina, who worked at this Viper roller coaster uh, in Houston Astro World Amusement Park. I think you, you've sprinkled your book with a lot of stories. Matter of fact, each one of the laws starts with a story, and I think that's great. Can you tell her story to our listeners and how this relates to your body being your best guide? Okay. Well, so Christina is was lovely because you know, she had this great job in TV, and you know, it was something that, you know, given her background, being raised with her, her mother, single mother, um, she, and being, you know, of Latina descent where, you know, I feel like those of us who um, maybe come from backgrounds where we're very new in being able to move up the ladder, that it's, there's a sense of stakes, higher stakes. Um, every time we're able to get to that next rung on the ladder. I know that from my own family, um, you know, having how I grew up, I'm just two generations out of, you know, my grandfather was a garbage man and my grandmother was a crossing guard. So, you know, there are very high stakes around being able to do better. And so Christina, you know, had this job, but it, it didn't quite fit. And so when it came time for her to decide whether or not she was going to renew her contract, you know, she was sitting there and her mouth was all prepared to say, you know, yes, I'm going to do this. But then her body took over and a no came out. And so that is a beautiful example of our bodies will tell the truth when our heads will not because our heads will say, well, it makes sense for X, Y, and Z. But her body was like, this is not what we want to do. And so ultimately, she followed her body and, you know, went overseas, went to Paris and, you know, had this life and, you know, actually, ultimately ended up, you know, meeting somebody, got married, is all happy, you know, all of that. But that all came from allowing her body to guide her 
in what her next step was going to be. So if you're experiencing symptoms like your stomach hurts or your throat is closed, that was mine when I was on Wall Street and hated my job, like my throat would close and I couldn't breathe, Mm -hmm. Um, or you're finding migraines or things like that, that's our body oftentimes trying to communicate with us, trying to tell us that truth of what's going on. Yeah, it's so true. And and I think not only listening to the body, but as you said, in Christina's case, and many people who you point this out, being willing, in other words, to intuitively or into it, what that's telling you and being able to be discerning about taking action on it. And exactly. and I think that's as important as listening to the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that I want to say about the stories, Greg, in the book The reason that I precede each law with an in-depth story, an in-depth profile, is that I found that oftentimes in these types of books, you'll see a little snippet of somebody's story, and it's used to support the point. Like, okay, here's an illustration. But what I wanted to do, and the reason I tell people's backgrounds in all of this, is I wanted our readers to really understand who that person was and how they arrived at that moment. And you could see that there were challenges that they were facing in their lives that, you know, when they got to their particular reinvention moment, that there were things that um, they had faced that maybe would have made them make a different decision, right? But they chose to go down this reinvention path. And so it was important to show that, Everybody faces challenges. So sometimes we can feel like we're the only one that has a particular problem or has a particular challenge. And I have not yet met somebody that has a challenge that somebody else isn't experiencing. So it's important to understand that everybody has challenges. You have a unique constellation of challenges, but you're able to solve these challenges. Every challenge can be solved. And we are all one. So the reality is if you were to go out and start sharing and being open enough to share, you'll find that many people have either crossed that bridge or you guys are going to cross it together. Mm-hmm. And you know, in law three, you state that excuses are a manifestation of fear. Now, when people are going through career reinvention, it's pretty easy to come up with excuses. Oh, wow, this job's paying me six figures a year and I don't want to let it go because it's my security. It's I'm afraid, uh, you know, it is my blanket. How do you have your clients face fears like this and move them beyond being frozen by that fear? Because I think there is in many people's minds uh, this, and unless their body is speaking to them really loudly this fear of, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave this $100,000 job or 200 or whatever it is, and I'm not going to get that other job. I'm going to have to be a free agent and then noodle it all together. But I, I have to figure out a way out of it. How do you help people figure that out and get over that fear? Well, you know, there's a number of different tactics that we use. And I say that everybody needs a fear toolkit, right? Because there's no one tactic that works 100% of the time. So we have to have a toolkit that we can draw on. So if one particular tool isn't working, we can try another tool. So what we do generally is we go through, uh, first of all, what the fear is and, and learning even to recognize fear. Because the other thing that, you know, this journey 
I always say that people come to me for tactics, but the truth is, is that this is a journey of growth because we have to grow into becoming the person who can have the life that we say we want. Because if we were already that person, we'd already be living that life, right? Right. So there's always some kind of growth that has to happen, and we have to go on the growth journey. And so part of the growth journey is to learn the ways that our fear shows up. Because everybody has their own unique patterns of fear. Like there are ways, standard ways that fears show up, but how it expresses in each person is usually unique to them. So you want to get to know yourself intimately in terms of how your fear shows up. I had one client that, you know, when they got scared, they started talking a lot, right? Because their mind started racing. Or another way that the fear might show up is not taking action at all. So I had another client who, you know, was quite clear that she wasn't going to, I think I mentioned her in the book, but, you know, quite clear she wasn't going to take action. And I was like, well, (laughs) that would be a manifestation of fear. But if you're not going to take action, then there's no use in having a conversation or even going on a reinvention journey. Um, So you're going to have to be able to, you're going to have to work through this. So, you know, what, what we do is we look for different, the ways that it shows up, and then we pull out the tools that can help that particular one. So, for the person who was talking a lot, it's learning to be silent, to stop talking when you hear yourself talk, stop talking and see what's going on in your head and maybe write down some of the things. Or uh, if you're afraid that you're not going to be able to do it, then looking for some inspiration from others, whether it be within your own world, very much as you said before, if you start to talk to people, maybe you see that other people have come through it, they can give you some counsel. I always say counsel. Uh, on how to do it because if somebody has not faced what you're facing then it's an opinion it's not counsel right right? (laughs) so i always say seek counsel not opinions right that's a good that's a good distinction there's plenty of people that will tell you um and they're not counseling because they haven't been through it right you know that's right that's exactly right and it's one of the reasons i started the club greg because Many people needed to go to a place where people have done this mm-hmm. because then it truly is counsel because otherwise people will say, oh, you know, well, I think you should do this, but they've never actually made a change. So how do they know? Right, right, right. right? It's almost a, a bit hypocritical in, in some fashion that people that are providing advice and they've never been there so counsel counsel is the way to do it now in law four you state that what you seek is on the road less traveled and i love this one and you tell a story about alton brown Mm -hmm. um wanted you to relate that story and why what we seek is on this road less traveled um wasn't it scott peck who wrote that book the road yes yes okay that's the so. first line. Well, no, the first line of Scott Peck's book is life is difficult. And once you accept that, then it becomes easy. <laughs> right? Correct. And, and what true. I love about that and, and how it intersects with the reinvention journey is that you will face challenges. And once you accept that challenges are a part of the journey, then it becomes easy. It, also, it becomes a game, right? How do I solve this challenge? How do I solve this challenge? Because games without challenges are boring. 
Yes, the le- the road less traveled. And um, what's interesting about Alton Brown's story is that uh, Alton was behind the camera, which most people would not know. And that's where he started off, is that he was a cameraman. And so this idea that he would be in front of the camera pursuing a passion was completely out of the box, right? But, and he's not a chef, which he's quite clear about, right? He He's not a chef. He doesn't have a restaurant. You know, that's not his thing. He was a cameraman. And then he went to cooking school because he had a passion for it. So he was really coming at it from a completely different road. So if he had spoken to any of the other sort of celebrity chefs, they would have gone down their sort of typical path of, you know, you have to have a restaurant, you have to do all these things. But Alton decided that he was going to come at it from his angle. He was going to explore this different road. He was going to go to, to cooking school. He was going to explore his his passion for science, you know, and this is how Good Eats came to be. So, you know, we have to be willing to go down those paths that don't seem to make sense to unlock creativity because we can forge our own path. We can get there in a different way, but it won't make sense unless we're willing to go down a path that doesn't make sense, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it does. I think the road less traveled is your willingness to kind of let go your fear. They kind of play off of one another Mm -hmm. um, because to take the road less traveled to actually go out without the map and travel down a new road and not knowing what's there is one way for you to overcome those fears. Now in your law five, you state that we have the tools in the toolbox. What are some of the fundamentals of letting go of old identity? Because again, to actually take the road less traveled, you most frequently you're going to have to get rid of that identity, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so what are some of those tools and how do we, oh, how do you want to say, shed the coat that we're currently wearing? Sometimes we've got a veil on. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what I want to preface this by saying is that I started off saying that reinvention is a skill. And so Overall, it's a skill, and within that box of reinvention skills, there are sort of these other tools, these other skills that you learn along the way. So as you very accurately pointed out, going down the road less travel is a skill of learning to navigate without a map, learning how to tune into yourself and create your own map. So it forces you to not only just overcome fear, but then you also have to be able to bring in information, gauge, process, see if it fits for you or if it doesn't, come up with new ideas and continue to move. So all of those things are what you're learning. In order to do that, you do have to be willing to step out of your own old identity. What most people don't realize is that um, our essential self is separate from any of the personas we put on, right? Because personas change. So we might be um, uh, like, you know, a salesperson, but the minute you step out of that role, you're no longer a salesperson. So who are you? 
And before you became a salesperson, certainly when when you entered this earth or you were seven years old or whatever, maybe you weren't a salesperson, right? Or maybe you were trying to sell, but you weren't, that wasn't your primary persona. It wasn't your primary identity. So in order to make a shift, in order to reinvent yourself, you have to realize that you step in and out of identities. And you have to be willing to let go of the old identity so you can start to see the you that created that identity and tap into the power of creating again. So you realize that I created this and I can create a new one. And I can put this old one down and I can pick a new one or I can assemble my own as Alton did. But it starts with being willing to let go of the old identity. So Alton can't move to being in front of the camera unless he steps unless he lets go of I'm the cameraman identity. It makes so much sense. And as you say, I think for many people out there, they don't even realize it, but they've in some ways have reinvented themselves unless they've been stuck in that same position for, you know, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even within the positions uh, the career position they have, they've reinvented themselves. They've taken on more or they've done something, but, this whole reinvention thing is it's it's almost consistent anymore within life. It's not like you just take a job and you stay at that job and you do the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Um, I'm sure there are some jobs like that, but to the audiences we're talking about, that's probably not the case. And in law six, the chapter is on your reinvention board is your lifeline. What would you advise the listeners who are out there today that are either in mid-management, even upper management, to put together their reinvention board, and how would they use this to their benefit? Well, oh, this this topic in and of itself is like a whole thing, right? <laughs> um, but I think what I would want to say about this is that it's important to, to be conscious that you need to assemble um, – uh, I guess I would call a kitchen cabinet to um, to turn to to help you with this. And much like what we said before around, you know, everybody has like different skills and, and you want to seek counsel, not opinion. You want to assemble your board so that each thing that you're going to them for, that they're able to offer counsel. So not everybody can offer counsel in everything. And so this, I think, because sometimes what I see people wanting to do is they might have one or two people and they want to go to them for everything. And that's not appropriate because maybe that particular person has uh, a great skill in knowing like a ton of people, right? And I always say you want to be able to ask people for assistance in a way that's easy for them to give. So if you ask them, who do you know that uh, does this type of work that I might be able to tap into to get some insight, they can rattle off three people that they know. Whereas if you want them to sit down and help you brainstorm ideas, that's not their thing. So there are very specific talents and skills that I outline in that chapter about what you need to have in place and the kind of the kind of assistance that you need to have and who you should be looking for to fill those those seats and then also who shouldn't be on your board good advice great advice 
yeah, you know, it's almost like a mastermind group, right? Who do you mm-hmm. want to have in it? Why do you have want to have in it? But the point is in this board, when you're going through reinvention, having advisors who've been through it and picking the right ones is so important. Now you tell a great story about Felina Gallagher, uh, who invented the best breast pump ever. Um, and you say in this law, um, it's only a native that can give you the best inside scoop. Can you tell our listeners the story and how it relates to career reinvention? Well, Felina um, created the first, um, what I would say, breastfeeding store in Manhattan, in New York City. Okay, so before Felina started her store, there was no store where you could go and get all kinds of breastfeeding supplies in New York City. And so what Felina did is, you know, Felina was a cop, okay? So again, this was not her initial phase. But Felina had a child, and she wanted to breastfeed her child, and there was no place where she could go to buy the supplies or even learn how to do it. She had to challenge right up front um, with being able to breastfeed her daughter, and she wasn't able to solve that challenge. It was such a hard road, and Felina was like, look, this needs to happen. So ultimately, she decided to leave the force and start a breastfeeding boutique that had supplies where you could also go and learn how to breastfeed, that you could have a community to tap into, all of those things. It didn't exist in New York City, but it did exist elsewhere. And so what Felina did is she met some people at a conference and networked with them and then went to their stop, their store with her three-month-old daughter to learn how to make that happen. Like what, what was the reality behind running a breastfeeding boutique? And the reason that I recommend that people talk to natives is that Nothing is 100% perfect. And a lot of times what we're looking to do when we're going on a reinvention is we're looking to validate all the good things that we think, and we don't really understand what are the downsides of it. So what natives do, because natives have been in it, so they know the ups, they know the downs, they're there. And I always say you want to talk to people who are happy. Not Don't talk to people who are unhappy. Talk to people who are happy because they'll give you a balanced view. They'll say, hey, here are the things that you're going to need to know. Here are the things you're going to need to deal with. But here are the downsides that you're also going to need to deal with. So if you're willing to deal with those downsides, then this is the path for you. So this is why you want to be talking to natives. I would say natives are probably your best indicator of giving you a direction of, you know, how you should take your new venture, your new reinvention. And, you know, you state in the epilogue of this book that using the principles that are taught in this book, you call the laws of blueprint, that you always have some words to counsel that you want to leave with the readers. And you had some takeaways. Um, And those takeaways were, remember that you have two careers, make a habit of being happy, don't make your reinvention bigger than it needs to be, and you will change your mind. Can you briefly kind of sum up what you're telling the listeners there about those takeaways from this book and what you'd like to leave with our listeners as as we're departing today? So really what I'm saying is, that um, where I start the book, which is that um, 
the ability to reinvent yourself. The skill of reinvention is the new form of job security. I call it like life insurance for happiness, right? Because if you're able to launch that skill whenever you need to, then no matter what life throws at you, you're able to navigate someplace that you find both um, externally and internally fulfilling. And that's really the point of this whole journey, because the only, the only constant in life is change. So making sure that you have a very conscious way to navigate change is important. And so when I say you've got a you know, you've got two jobs. One of them is to keep your eye on what's going on and also to keep your eye on what's going on inside you, not just in the world, but what's going on inside you because you may get to the point where you're like, okay, I want to make a change. But again, understand that you don't, don't be binary about it. It doesn't have to be a big black and white like I leave everything behind. It can just be little tweaks here and there. But ultimately, we get one life Okay, we get one unique, unrepeatable life, and so it is important to make sure that this unique, unrepeatable life is one that you find fulfilling and that brings you joy. So make sure that you have everything in your toolkit to make that happen. Well, that's well said, and I think when you're reinventing yourself, one of the things that you're always doing is you're looking for little minor course corrections that can make life more fulfilling and more rewarding, as you said. And I think your book does a wonderful job of that. And again, for my listeners, what I'm going to ask them to do is to go up to your website, and that is reinvention-institute.com. And at that website, what you're going to have is what's your reinvention personality? She's got some great quizzes you can take. Um, are you a map maker? Are you a navigator? Are you a trailblazer? So take that so that you can get that and do go check out uh, Pamela's blog as well. Pamela, it's been a pleasure having you on. We'll put all the links into our blog entry to Pamela's website and any videos that she might have on YouTube so that our listeners can have access to that. Um, really do um, take advantage of uh, her website. It's a wonderful website and it's got a lot of things on there that literally you can learn from her. And then call her up. Go in and call her up and get a consultation. That's what this is all about. And there's a lot of people out there listening. Um, you should join the Reinvention Club and you should connect with Pamela. She is one of the best in the industry. Pamela, thanks for being on with us today. The book is The Ten Laws of Career Reinvention. Reinvention and we've been on with Pamela Mitchell. Thanks for Thank your you, time. Thank you, Greg. Thank you.